St. Bridget is getting more attention than ever before. And with her feast day on February 1st, also comes a new bank holiday this year, for which most of us are extremely thankful. But just who was this St. Bridget anyway? Well, let me explain. Let me explain with Sean Defoe, a News Talk original. Hello, hello and welcome to the podcast. As always, don't forget to like, share and subscribe. And if over the next while there are any issues you would like explained, something you'd like to hear us do an episode on, please get in touch with me on Twitter or on Instagram or by email on Sean Defoe, Sean.Defoe rather, at BauerMedia.ie. This week, who was St. Bridget anyway? I have to say, my own strongest memory of St. Bridget is making the crosses in school. But as her feast day approached this year, I realised I just don't know a huge amount about her. And then when I went digging, I find what you so often find with historical figures. There are quite a few stories and different opinions on which one is right. And many of them probably will never be provable because the march of time has just washed away so much evidence. So what seems to be more or less generally agreed is that St. Bridget lived around the middle of the 5th century and could have been born around the year 450 and died around the year 525. And all sorts of people take claims on St. Bridget. She's sometimes, for example, called the female patron saint of beer after a Jesus-like legend that she once turned bath water into beer for a leper colony. Abortion Rights Ireland and others down through the years have also claimed that St. Bridget carried out the first abortion in Ireland. And this is based on a history written in the 7th century, which claims someone came to her with a crisis pregnancy and that she made the fetus disappear. So she's been appropriated, I suppose, in many different ways over the years. But let's find out the real history with this week's guest. My name is Dr. Niamh Witcherly, and I'm a medieval historian with the Department of Early Irish in Maynooth University. So I'm going to ask you a nice and easy question to start. Who was St. Bridget? Uh, that's If we could answer that, Sean, uh, that was, there would be no need for any of all of the millions of interviews. Uh, genuinely, it's not an easy question to answer. To me, Bridget is the patron of Kildare. She's the woman who founded what became one of the most powerful institutions in the country in the Middle Ages. Now, you will have heard me talk in the past, particularly in the episode on famous events to happen on Christmas Day, which you can scroll back in your feed and have a listen to, about how history is written by the winners. And the Catholic Church was the big winner of the time. So much of what we know about medieval and pre-medieval history comes through the viewpoint of Catholic scholars who, like an awful lot of historians, if not every historian in some way, aren't unbiased, which in part has led to a belief that there was a pre-Christian god called Bridget, and instead of there being an actual, real Saint Bridget as a person, the church just appropriated the name in order to get those people to convert. Let's see what Neve thinks. The, the story I have heard, and I've heard many different stories at the time, is that there was a pagan goddess, Bridget, and that when Christianity came along, it was a, it was one of these, a bit like Christmas Day is, so in some ways, was an easy date or an easy name to maybe transition people from paganism to Christianity. Is there any truth or any evidence in that? So I was also told that and believed that and it's funny because it's only now that I'm, I was only talking to a colleague last night and I'm wondering whether we were thinking maybe we should write an academic paper or something because where all, you know, where did all this start from? Because, you know, in university that's what I also was led to believe. Um, but actually Actually, the evidence, there's no evidence for the goddess. 
So the first evidence basically isn't until maybe around the year 900. Um, and all the earliest sources for Bridget are maybe as early as the year 600. Oh, the Saint Bridget, right? The, the you know, the founder of Kildare. So it's really hard to know, Sean, uh, listen, the simple answer is that we actually don't know. It, it, it's definitely a plausible story, right? Um, that there was a goddess, Bridget, and that, yes, the church definitely did try to adapt and assimilate into the different jurisdictions they went into. So it's, it, it's, a, it's a plausible story, but there's no evidence for it whatsoever. Um, and I actually wonder whether there's been a bit of misogyny. I know it sounds a bit reductionist, but in how academics have approached it, because there were so many academics now that I'm looking back a generation ago who were touting that idea. But once you really excellent scholars and historians, um, but once you get stuck into it, you see that there actually is no evidence for um, a goddess Bridget in Ireland at all until, as I said, hundreds of years later. And it's clerics who are recording stories about the goddess Bridget, you know, kind of 500 years after there was any, you know, pre-Christian religion in the country at all. So there's there's a lot going on there. But as I said, you are right that that's what the church did. That was their MO, that, you know, they adapted it um, to kind of local beliefs and stuff. But you just don't have any evidence for this goddess whatsoever. So what evidence do we have that there was actually a person called Bridget living and operating in this time? All of their early saints and founders of churches in Ireland, there's not a lot of evidence for any of them because they are earliest surviving written sources don't really survive until the 7th century and all of these founders like Bridget and Patrick are supposed to have lived in the 5th and the 6th okay so you're talking like maybe 150 years before we get any real accounts of what they did okay 150 years then as now is the exact same amount of time so you wouldn't talk to someone now um, and to give you kind of like first hand information or something that happened 150 years ago uh, so these are all biased untrustworthy sources right okay that goes for all of them, like for all of the saints, okay? So, Bridget, the first sources we do get uh, dating to the 600s, they all um, associate her as the founder of Kildare and of this really important Irish religious woman who was one of the, if not the most important saint in the country. All of the earliest sources associate her with the family called the Fahertz an aristocratic family who were based in Leinster. So there would have been different branches of the part. So it's a large dynastic group. So we don't know exactly the location of where she would have been born, but somewhere around Leinster. She's very famously a Leinster saint. But, you know, all the earliest sources, um, it depends on who you read, but they kind of maybe focus on kind of different parts of her. They all agree she's a Leinster saint, but then some of them kind of focus on, well, she was a saint for all of Ireland. Um, And then one of her most important ones uh, the Life of Bridget written by Cogitosis, he's really focusing on Kildare um, and how Kildare is so important because of Bridget and that kind of thing. So, you know, we've Kildare, the Fahert, Leinster. These are all kind of agreed facts, if you want. No one's disputing this. So she probably came from a certain amount of privilege given the restrictions on women at the time, but not a top-tier influential family either. Founding the monastery in Kildare is one of the big things that Bridget is known for, and in that monastery, which became both for nuns and monks, the abbess was more senior than the abbot. Neve, 
what exactly did she do to deserve sainthood? Well, this is an interesting thing because the, there was different parameters then. So now there's quite strict parameters um, issued by the Vatican for how you can uh, someone can become a saint. And they said there a number of years ago that all the early saints, you know, that were kind of traditionally given sainthood, that, oh, they're not necessarily, you know, fully... I don't know, endorsed by the Vatican. But they have let they let Bridget and Patrick through, even though, you know, they didn't, as I said, they can't kind of prove either way like they do now. What she what a lot of people how they became saints at this time was they kind of grew up in the local memory as being important people or particularly holy people. Okay. And there is a really wide spectrum of what, you know, what could qualify you as a saint. So if you were martyred and you died for the sake of Christ really straightforward sainted straight away that's grand no questions there then there are if people witness miracles after your death so around your relics or around your tomb but then there are also a lot of kings and bishops automatically became saints uh, they did not lead what we would consider to be saintly lives um, or you also as I said you just had people who they were good people right they were good in the community they worked hard for their community they represented a lot of people and then people when they died people remembered them you know and they continued to commemorate them every year for what they did in the community so you have a lot of kind of early church founders who kind of grew up in local memory that way and then someone then there's a miracle performed at the tomb or at the church, you know, which then kind of solidifies that idea of the person as a saint. So really, the sainthood was more about the long-lasting social and religious influence in Ireland and then more focusing on Kildare. In particular, Kildare. And we, what's really important is that Kildare becomes one of the most powerful institutions in the country. So there's kind of, there's no debating that, you know, this isn't just any old church. You know, a woman founded one of the most powerful institutions in the country that woman may as well have been called Bridget as anything else you know it's not in dispute that a woman founded this powerful institution what became a powerful institution so and then the the, the subsequent abbesses of the leaders in Kildare they all kind of have this huge status and influence on authority partly because of their association with Bridget in one of the pieces you've written online Neve in the last while you describe Bridget as a boss why? Yeah, so, you know, she, and not to be glib, right, but she is kind of the original, you know, CEO, patron, founder, you know, the influencer. She really, she really is. And, and you know, if we take, if we understand all of those kind of things today, like we take, you know, influencers on Instagram. I mean, that's Bridget. Whatever Bridget did, everyone else was copying her. Okay, so everyone wanted to be like Bridget. Everyone wanted to be associated with Bridget, you know? So she would... In that regard, I think it's a really easy analogy. And then, again, the whole, you know, we have so many, you know, so many websites now. It's like patron and founder, you know, founder and patron of this, you know, CEO of this company, that kind of thing. She... You know, she's this person who founded this just massive institution. And even though we may not know exactly how that evolved, right? It, but, you know, in her time and in the generation straight after her, okay? We do know that within, let's say, about 100 years, this, her company, for want of a better word, you know, becomes one of the most influential in the country. So definitely she's a boss. And the other part of that, the other huge part of that is, 
It was really difficult for women to do anything in medieval Ireland. CEO, entrepreneur, girl boss. I imagine that's not the image you had of St. Bridget, but there's the case made by Neve Witcherly. Continuing that parallel, and one of the big things of the Middle Ages was relics, holy relics. They were kind of like the Bitcoin or NFTs of today if they catch on properly. And, you know, you weren't really a proper church if you didn't have some cool relic. And after they died, many of these saints ended up with bits of them all over the place in different churches and monasteries. But there is a campaign underway to get back the relics of St. Bridget, which may actually not be in Ireland at all. David Mongey is the chairman of Into Kildare and a member of the Bridget 1500 group, which is a group organising all sorts of celebrations to mark 1500 years since St. Bridget's death, a group which I have to say were really open and helpful to me in putting this podcast together and suggesting guests. David is getting a campaign going to bring St. Bridget back to Kildare and he spoke to Sean Moncrief on News Talk during the week. It's very hard to put the the pieces together, but the three saints were, were buried together in Down Patrick, Patrick Columba and St. Bridget. Hmm. And whatever happened anyway, three knights brought her uh, remains to her head in particular, no different than Oliver Plunkett and Dendrada, uh, over on their way to Lisbon. I have a sneaky feeling they were on their way to Rome mm. at the time. And um, so they landed in Portugal and Lisbon at the time, and her head is interned in a church, St. John the Baptist in Luminaire, which is literally just outside the airport in, in Lisbon. Now, the interesting part about it is, and this is where... Thinking back in them days, it, it, relics were currency. But I just was yeah. thinking at the time that the three knights remained in Luminaire and were buried in Luminaire. So I think it was more it was more than just currency. It was more to protect her legacy. Right. Okay. That's and, my own thinking. Uh, yeah. And, and even to this day, is that the, the, those uh, those relics are, are are treasured by the local community? Very, yeah. very much so. And, and you know, we were just making the comparison about the the Greek uh, the Greek ones. You know, the Elgin marbles. You know, there's a little bit more there's a little bit more of a meaning to the local people there to St. Bridget than there was. Now there is parts of our uh, relic that came back to Ireland into Kilester mm-hmm. in the sixties. And the nuns, the St. Bridgetine nuns in Southern Breed, they have some as well. But I think their town deserves her home, yes. deserves to have them back. So let's give the last word to our expert, Dr. Neve Witcherly from Maynooth. In the spirit of girl bosses, Neve, give us your best 60-second elevator pitch for why we should care about St. Bridget. One of the reasons why we should be commemorating and celebrating Bridget this year is because She is rightly one of the most famous Irish people, uh, kind of globally, uh, and she made a name for herself in a really difficult society of medieval Ireland, which is the time in our history that we kind of sell around the world as our defining epoch and the Isle of Saints and Scholars. And she was arguably the most important saint of that time, second only in theory to Patrick, but in my eyes definitely superior and definitely presented in some of the texts at the time as superior to Patrick. And she left a lasting legacy in by founding this massive institution, the Church of Kildare. And the women who succeeded her in Kildare were the most powerful, influential women in Ireland in the Middle Ages. Pretty damn good pitch for why you should learn some more about one of Ireland's saints this Bridget's Day. Maybe while you're celebrating that extra day off she's given you. Thanks for listening to Let Me Explain. I've been Sean Defoe. John Kill is the editor with Lachlan Hart on Sound Production. Chat to you next week. 